to think we, used, we were alike. I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. So happy birthday, Mikey. Thanks. So I was thinking about this because I didn't see you for your birthday. I didn't get you anything for your birthday. And I was thinking about the most meaningful gift I could give you. And I think I found it. Is it tangible? Mm. <laughs> Are you giving me stuff? <laughs> no, um, no, I, I, I. Ah. But the gift I'm giving you is something that maybe will lift the tangible weight off your shoulders a little bit. So, um, what I'm giving you for your birthday is an apology <laughs> and an admittance that I was wrong. So, over the last couple weeks, I have been opening myself up to listening to some music. And there's one band that I have on this show railed pretty hard against and have for quite some time. And I have to admit, I was I was wrong. And what band would that be? I'm sorry for talking shit about the Misfits. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say terror, but No. No, no. I don't remember you talking that much shit about the Misfits. I just remember you saying like you weren't that into them, which I guess I can I, I mean, I don't really understand you not liking the Misfits, so that's good. Uh, what era are we talking? Are we talking all eras or, or what? I'm talking Danzig? all eras. I'm giving them a chance. I mean, I'm mostly listening to Danzig, especially given that today's Danzig's birthday. Um, I listen to a lot of Danzig era stuff. And so, yeah, I just... Well, to uh, to clarify, my birthday was two days ago. Actually, when this comes out, it'll be, have been like a week ago. But... Yeah. So today we're so, recording on Danzig's birthday. So it's not actually your birthday today. Yeah, I share my birthday with uh, Cindy Lauper and... I, I don't know. Uh, John Dillinger. Those are the only ones I remember. And also, my, my birthday was the day that George Carlin died, which is the worst <laughs> yeah that's not a day to celebrate my hero died on the day like on the day i was born in 2006 my hero died uh-huh so you can't ever celebrate it's terrible so anyway like so i I was you know just i just felt like that was something i owed you like i think because the one on the one episode i talked about how the, the misfits only have like six good songs I mean, up until Jerry only took over, uh, you know, singing and like the Devil's Reign and the '50s covers. Like every Misfits song was a good song. So mm. <laughs> even the Grave stuff, I I love the Grave stuff. I love Danzig. Uh, I love Samhain or Sawin. If if I'm being technical, first two Danzig records are great. I just it's all good. I don't think there's one bad song in any of it i mean there's some bad songs but i would still say that i mean there's songs that make me uncomfortable like i can't listen to bullet why it talks about john f kennedy getting shot which is fine and blaming and that's saying texas is the reason but also talks about jackie o licking the come off <laughs> his hands or her hands or something like that it's, it's a little it's a little much what's your give me your fit what's your favorite one what is your favorite misfit song or like if you give me a couple of the ones that you you've liked so far I mean, my favorite, my favorite, like the one that I've always really liked, even when I didn't really like them was, I always really liked Dig Up Her Bones. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a great one. Uh, that's a really fun one. I like We Are 138, Where Eagles Dare. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially because today, like I was singing, I was like, I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. Yeah, man. Uh, Where Eagles Dare and Horror Business. Those are two that I always wanted. Uh, We're Not Dead to Cover. They got a lot of energy. And then of course, yeah. you know, there, there's, there's any Grave song I would love to do. Um. I think Sean Robbins and I have have talked about how great Graves Misfits is. 
Oh yeah, Saturday Night uh, off uh, Famous Monsters. Woo! Yeah, it's like a sad song about a serial killer. He's like he's like singing it to his his victims, but it sounds like kind of like a a fifties jukebox song. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's really good. It's yeah. I mean, like I said, I just it was one of those things where I think. Um, for me, uh, so many people around me liked them so much, and I had a really bad taste in my mouth from being in a band with Calvin. You can't let that fucking human thumb control what you listen to. I mean, you, the Misfits. I would pick. I would pick the Misfits over almost any old band at all, over Black Flag, over the Circle Jerks, not over the Clash, and not over Bad Brains. But that's probably it. I have a very particular thing that I like, and there are some bands that. I just I wouldn't I wouldn't put the Misfits up there with those bands, but I would say that they're I would say they're close. I think my favorite story is like the Damned told the Misfits they could go on tour with them, and the Misfits went to Europe, and they were like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Who are you?" And they did not tour with them. <laughs> I still think one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I guess it's not technically Misfits related, but Pat used to do a Danzig impression. Pat Chumley from Axis, who we. Mm-hmm. used to hang out with for the benefit of anyone listening and he's sort of like a meerkat in a human body <laughs> he used to just he'd like come up behind you and he'd be like she runs and he'd like he'd, he'd flare his hands out in this very weird flipper motion he used to call it the creature it was very unsettling yeah it was funny. Ugh, i hated that yeah he would wake people up in the van in the middle of the night and and he'd like flap his arms like they were little wings <laughs> is that where baby came from oh yeah that was all that was all dancing yeah because when ethan was born um that's like the majority of texts i got from my friends i was like hey baby. ethan's here and everybody's like baby yeah <laughs> that's what it's from <laughs> so it all it's, all comes back it's it, it's a it's a circle well hi everybody and welcome to i don't want to hear it i'm mikey i'm shane we are back with another one and one or five. So why don't we go ahead and get into forgotten freshness? Whoop whoop! I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. Well, I'm getting paid. Everybody sit there and shut the fuck up. I'm peeling caps like bananas, motherfucker. it this way so the phrase deathcore has lost all of its original meaning i mean you got what does it mean it means death metal plus hardcore so i don't know how you end up with shit like a mirror and the devil wears prada and all those types of bands because those bands are neither of those things they're not death metal they're not hardcore and they're certainly not a mixture of either day of mourning is the original deathcore band and a group that every fan of aggressive music needs to be aware of. That is my pick for this week. Day of Mourning. And I know that sounds confusing. It's mourning as in somebody died and you're not happy about it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. The band, they hailed from Canada. Uh, they were around in the late 90s and they featured none other than Dominic Romero from the band Pulling Teeth. Ah, I just watched a live video of Pulling Teeth. From a fairly recent show or more recent, a more recent show, man, that that band. The only way you describe that band is that band rips. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, but yeah, he's from Pulling Teeth. He was in Slumlords, which is a band that I really liked, and he's also basically in Integrity now. 
Um, so day of mourning, they were very much, rem- they were, they were their namesake deathcore. It was very heavy, hardcore, full of death metal riffing, crazy drumming, blast beats, double bass, very burly vocals. They have like the, the main singer has got kind of a low end frequency. And, and then they got the guy in yeah. the back and I think it might be Dominic where he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that works. Um, they have several official releases, but only two of them are available on Spotify. So I'm going to go ahead and put a link to the rarer stuff because I have all their like weird demos and splits and one-offs. But if you go on Spotify, you'll see Reborn is the Enemy, which is the full length from 98, which is good. But then there's Your Future's In, which is an EP from 99. And on that one, I think that's their best one. That's probably the best representation of them. And they actually did re-release that on Dom's label, A389, uh, way back. Nice. I, I got a I got a version of it. I got the 12-inch version. It's really cool. It's got these like like druid dudes and hoods on the front, it's, or lizard druid people. It's pretty it's pretty sweet. Ah, it's like real life. Yeah, yeah. And on that record, you get some guest spots from Dwid and Human Furnace. Really cool. So I would say they're probably one of my favorite metallic hardcore bands. They never get enough attention. Day of morning. I like it. I like it. All right, <clears throat> I'll check them out. Well, there was a there was a record on there from 2018. Is that the same band? Um. Oh yeah, <laughs> there is a band called Day of Morning that's like it's it's really <laughs> it's not the same band. <laughs> they got their discogs messed up and their Spotify because that band's on it. So yeah, if it's anything post like 2005, it's not this band. That's I always hate when that happens. When you look up a band, you're like, I can't wait to check out this band, and it is not that band. My Forgotten Freshness this week is a band that we never got to see, but was touring some of the same circles of the bands that we did like. And uh, I don't know if you ever listened to this band. Have you ever heard of Angelville? I've heard of them. I mean, I've listened to the record before. Okay. Yeah. So Angelville was a short-lived band. They only put out, um, it looks like they put out a an EP called Welcome to Angelville in 2002. And then they put out Can't Go Home and We Are the Wolves um, in 2003 and 2005, respectively. Now, um, this band, I can't find much about this band, um, other than they were around, they put out some records and now they're not around. That's about all I can find out about this band. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, so if you are a fan of, cause I remember finding out this, finding this band, um, maybe in the same circles as cursed and some of the Louisville bands, they were kind of coming out around those those bands at that time. <clears throat> and I remember getting Can't Go Home. I had to order it from interpunk.com because I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> Do you remember that website? <laughs> Did you get your fucking uh, pants with zippers all over them when you placed your order? Yes, I did. No, this was in 2003. So I was beyond my zippered pants phase. Actually, I never had a zippered pants phase. I definitely had more of like a metalcore kid phase. Like It was all hard. It was all cargo shorts for you. It was it was all cargo shorts until I was thirty two. <laughs> it was a real problem. If you get a chance, Angelville. I can't find much of their stuff. They do have some stuff online when you search Angelville band. But if you go on Spotify, you can actually listen to their. Uh, it's it's a short EP, I guess, called "Can't Go Home." Um, it was recorded and released as a full length, I guess, or it, maybe it's somewhere in there. But it has songs like uh, "My Curse" and "Bible Belt Whipping." And so they are definitely aggressive. They've got a little bit of a melody to it, but like if you're a fan of Cursed and bands like that, you like that that record in particular. However, when you get to We Are the Wolves, they they have a little bit of a change where they have a they all of a sudden have this kind of like twang in some of their stuff. So it's like kind of like a really dirty version of Cursed, like a dirty um, 
like a southern version of Cursed, like maybe from Louisiana. I, I enjoy it. I prefer Can't Go Home over We Are the Wolves, but both are fun listens. So if you like that type of stuff, enjoy it. Yeah, I remember that band. I remember them. God, weren't they? Didn't they do something with Creation's End? I feel like that band, they were going to do like a split or something, and that never happened. But yeah, they were definitely like cursed. Yeah, they played with like Cursed and like Creation's End and, and Bleeding Kansas and a lot of those bands. Like Suicide, it was a suicide <laughs> note. Bleeding Kansas, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, you remember that band? Oh my God, do I ever. <laughs> Not a fan? <laughs> were they like that? No, they were more like, they were definitely more in line with like the, like the Breather Resist stuff. Maybe I'm thinking of another Bleeding band. Maybe you're thinking... Oh, yeah. yeah. You know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Bloodline Calligraphy. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Fuck that band. <laughs> Very different band. Bleeding Kansas is way better. All right. If that's if that's all we have to say about that, then is it time for the lists? Lists! Lists! So at number five, my first pick, it's a movie with the innocuous sounding title, Life. Did you hear about this movie? Uh, is it the one with Eddie Murphy? No. This one came out in like uh, 2017, I think. And it was kind of one of those things I saw the preview and I was like, meh. I mean, that was sort of everyone's reaction. Meh. That's what it seemed like. So I didn't get around to gotcha. watching it until last week. I just I watched it on Prime. So uh, when it came out a couple years ago, people just sort of, they were indifferent or they sort of attacked it for being an alien knockoff, which I would say it's more of an homage. Mm -hmm. But considering since, you know, I'm a massive alien fan, you know, I, I eventually came around to the place where I was like, well, I'm still waiting on uh, alien. We, we, we had Prometheus, we had Covenant, I'm waiting on Awakening. So I want some sort of space horror to tide me over. Right. And one of the things that pushed me away initially, and it may push some of you away as well, uh, was that Ryan Reynolds is in it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You hate Ryan Reynolds. I just don't like his face. I don't. But, but I'll say this. All my bias aside, he actually was pretty good in this movie. This movie, Life, is set uh, in the near future on the International Space Station. So you have sort of like a cross-section of people from different countries. Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. Ryan Reynolds are in it. They're the two uh, Americans. There's a British guy. There is a Japanese guy who was, you may recognize him from Westworld. He played Musashi on Westworld, if you guys have been keeping up with that show, which is a good show. And also, he's been tapped to play Scorpion in the 2021 Mortal Kombat re reboot. His name's Hiroyuki Sanada. So you, you probably recognize him. He's, he's definitely like you see him in action movies and different genre movies. He's pretty good in this. Um, there is another one, a, a woman named Rebecca Ferguson, who I don't really know. She's Swedish. So you, you get a different uh, these people from different walks of life. And they're all astronauts in the International Space Station, just like in real life. And what happens is the Mars rover, or I guess this movie's version of the Mars rover, it sends samples of Mars back to the space station. So they bring it on board, and of course they find tiny little microscopic life in it. And, you know, they sit there and they're playing with it, and it looks pretty harmless at first. And of course, you know what happens. They monkey around with it. Of course. And then 
the titular life grows until it looks like something Lovecraft would have just creamed his pantaloons over. So, you know, it gets pretty claustrophobic, <laughs> which I which I enjoyed. Very reminiscent of Alien, except this whole thing is done in zero gravity. I mean, not actually. They're all on wires, which I feel like as I was watching it, I was like, couldn't they send the actors and actresses to 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 space camp so they get used to zero gravity so they could shoot in zero gravity instead of wires right. and erasing them later? Because these people are floating the entire movie. It's just so everyone's floating. It does kind of give it an extra element of uneasiness. At any rate, I would say don't write it off. I did it first, but I was pleased I watched it. It was not a waste of an hour and a half. It was fun. It was it was a scary movie. The ending, you might see it coming, but you might not. It's a little bit of a twist. I don't know. It's a little derivative of Alien, but I would say it's an above average sci-fi horror movie, which you don't get too many sci-fi horror movies, and I love sci-fi and horror together. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite genres of all time. Check it out. All right. I am a big fan of Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal, so... Well, you won't like what happens to Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I mean, I'm fine with whatever <laughs> he does. People don't like him, but like, I find one of the most redeeming things about him is that he got Deadpool made, and in one of the scenes in Deadpool, he travels back in time and kills his version of Deadpool. Like, the old version <laughs> of Deadpool. Like, the one from... Like, he travels back in time and kills the version that nobody liked. And then he also kills himself in the movie. Deadpool kills Ryan Reynolds before he makes Green Lantern. That's funny. Uh, but in life, Ryan Reynolds is pretty good. He His snarkiness was just enough. Because he was snarky. That's, like, the only character he can play is the snarky one. But, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. was all kind of, like, serious and boring. So you needed a little bit of comedic relief. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. All right. My number five this week um, has... Things that shouldn't be tied together but are. So, Mikey, what do you think of when I say the words Nickelback, The Wiggles, and TikTok? Armageddon. All of these things make for one of my favorite things on the planet. Are you ready for this? I don't know. My number five is Donald Trump's Tulsa, Oklahoma rally. <laughs> Have you read the stories about what happened with this rally, Mikey? I made a deal with myself not to look at the news for the entire week, and I haven't, and it's been really nice. So, no, I don't know. Well, this is something that will make you feel so nice. So, he, so the story is he was going to hold this rally in Tulsa. He's a shithead, so he changed it. And then had it still. He's going to have a crowded room full of people, um, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, that whole thing. So, he gives away free tickets to this rally. If you sign up, well, the internet got a hold of that. And so he talked about having a sold out crowd, 40,000 people, 40,000 people at this place. You know how many people showed up? 6,000. That's all. I mean, 6,000 is not nothing to sniff at. For the president of the United States? Yeah. Was it in Oklahoma? Are there 6,000 people in Oklahoma? There's somewhere. I think people are moving there now because of Tiger King. The fucking person who would move there because of Tiger King needs to be fed to a tiger. <laughs> or, yeah, I mean, I, who who wants that? But somebody probably did that. Anyway, my point is this. is like the, the arena held far more than 6,000 people. It was like seeing Hootie and the Blowfish at the Ocean Center and only the floor seating was full. <laughs> Here's why this is great, though. There's three things that came out of this that are fantastic. Well, four things. First, the same arena 
has been now three things. So the, the the same arena that he had this rally at was had sold out performances from both Nickelback and the Wiggles. <laughs> so Nickelback had more fans at this place than than Donald Trump did, and also the Wiggles had more fans at this place than Donald Trump did. I'm getting the Wiggles mixed up with like the Teletubbies. What's the Wiggles? The Wiggles are just a different a different generation's Teletubbies. So the horror yeah. continues. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, this place has been sold out by Nickelback and the Wiggles. The president couldn't even half fill it. Um, second, come to find out that a generation of TikTokers and K-pop fans are part of the reason why the place did not fill up. They reserved the tickets and then didn't show up. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. A bunch of people bought tickets and didn't show up? Yeah, no, they were free tickets. They reserved the tickets and then didn't show up. So you had <laughs> you had people my daughter's age. Like, you have my daughter's generation that did this. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. A bunch of kids were like, nope, nobody's going to this. Reserved the tickets. Nobody showed up. The third thing, the third thing, and actually something that's kind of strange to see, and I, and I feel uncomfortable holding these ideas in my head because they are, they are, they don't, they don't make sense because I never want to see anybody suffer, right? I have a hard time with that with just people like wishing unhappiness upon people. But when he got off the plane back from Tulsa, this dude looked so bummed, so bummed. He had his tie undone. He was defeated. I've never seen a man more defeated in my life. And like we watched Logan. <laughs> was his hair like half on his skull, just sort of blowing in the breeze like a <laughs> dandelion fuzz? <laughs> <laughs> right no he he had his tie undone the like the top button was unbuttoned you could see his makeup smear on the inside of his collar like he just was disheveled it was glorious so my number five is just watching this son of a bitch <laughs> just be miserable and also realizing that the wiggles had more fans that must have been a quiet plane ride back i don't know i feel like it would have been loud i feel like he would have been loud on that I don't even think he's capable of yelling. You hear how he talks. It's like he has something wrong with his voice box. He just... He has voice modulation. (laughs) All right, for my number four, Annie and I... Well, I say Annie and I, but... It's mostly I, she discovered the place and I don't hate it, which is like a rarity of when I go out in public, like a public place. I'm usually like, fuck this. I want to go home. Well, there's a place in town we've been going and uh, it's pretty enjoyable and it's called, and, and I'll explain when you hear it, you may, you may be wondering why the Streamline Hotel. Yes. I, I have many questions about this. <laughs> so it's a historic hotel in Daytona. It opened in 1940. I actually, I actually did a little research. I went back because I was like, what? Because something happened. Something. This place is known for something. Uh, so it opened in 1940, and it was part of. It was like one of the landmarks for the original Daytona Beach and Road Course. So this was like early, early NASCAR. You know, it, it, that was back when. Okay. You know, we hadn't you know built this massive eyesore complex in the middle of town. You know, probably with the skeletons of, of hundreds of migrant workers like buried in the foundation, just funded with clandestine tax breaks. Yeah. This was back when they had to confine their filthy, stupid sport to the the beach, basically. And they raced up and down the beach and occasionally came down A1A. 
those were the days. Daytona, the black hole that we sort of exist in. I wouldn't say live, but we exist here. It got a hold of the streamline, you know, and it, it sort of, it turned it into a junky and anonymous gay hookup spot. Basically from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that's what it was known for. All right. right. It was our own personal hotel Cecil. And then Hotel Nightmares finally featured Streamline back in 2014. They gutted it. They remodeled it. And by 2017, it's a whole new thing. It's, it's this Art Deco building. It's very nice on the inside. It's very classy looking. There is still some stupid NASCAR shit around, which I don't care about. But the main thing and the reason we go there is not to just wander around a, a fucking hotel, but there is a rooftop bar. Right. And that's what we've been enjoying. So the past couple of weekends, we've just been going down there and meeting up with some of the local comics and Sean Robbins because he's always around and uh, just kind of hanging out and, you, and we're you know drinking boat drinks up there. You get some fruity margarita bullshit up there. Yeah. Like rum runners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, the first time I went, I had like three rum runners and then I got a stomachache. Um, there's DJs up there <laughs> and they're usually, they're usually people that Annie know. Uh, they play goddamn dance music. I, I don't dislike them. They're nice people. Like I've met them, but I, I just don't like their music. Um, and it sometimes is a little loud, but I would say for a, for a drinking setting, you know, being, being up there looking around, you know, you got a full 360 degree of, of, of your surroundings. It's the tallest building uh around it uh, i mean uh, down the street you got the hilton but in the immediate area it's the tallest building so you can see the ocean you can see the city and from far away it doesn't look too bad yeah and um you know it's it's nice so every sunday we've been going down there every, every sunday late afternoon early evening meeting up with everybody so you know it's the streamline hotel 140 south atlantic avenue it's pretty nice pretty nice i actually don't mind it that much at all nice breeze up there even on a hot day you can drink your drink hang out have a good time that's my number four i like it i mean i've driven by that place many 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 times and it's um it's a it's a nice looking hotel yeah i mean we had dinner there once after the remodel and it was fucking awful but um it's hard to fuck up a drink. I mean, that badly to where you won't come back to the bar and it's a two tier rooftop bar. So you can like be on the roof and then climb up to the top of the roof. And there's enough room that if people are bothering you, you can just kind of fuck off away from them. So, right. It's, it's it's perfect for me. It's perfect for me. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you found your home. Yeah. Who would have thought of all the places. So my number four is a comic that I'm pretty sure that I've talked about before. But they've done an expansion on this, and I'm really, really happy about it, and I can't wait to read it. So, Mikey, do you ever remember me talking about um, the Dark Knight's Metal graphic novel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, they they're do. if you're not familiar, this story is basically that there is a dark multiverse in the DC universe where there are corrupted and evil versions of the heroes, but even more evil, and they are trying to destroy the current multiverse and take over from the dark multiverse and pretty much destroy all these universes. Well, <clears throat> the team of people that are trying to make this happen are a group of villains called the Dark Knights. As you can imagine, they're probably bastardized versions of Batman. Story is, they are, which is great. Now, the 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 original story was called Dark Knight's Metal, but they now have a couple spin-offs called Speed Metal. And, and that's the Flash, right? That's about the Flash, of course. And then uh <laughs> Death Metal. 
who's death metal about? Uh, well, no, it's not about it's a, it's just a continuation of the story right now. Uh, so it's like you discover Metallica and then you discover Cannibal Corpse. Like things get wild. Right, right. So anyway, what I really like about this are these different versions of Batman, which pretty much like uh, something happens to Batman, like the Robins die, or he goes from this good guy and just takes the powers of the other Justice League characters. So he's just like a different Justice League version. Like he's a Batman combined with some other Justice Leaguer, and it's great. Like so there's there's a version of Batman where he's called the Dawnbreaker and basically he overpowered a green lantern ring so that he could kill people with it. Like his willpower was too much for the willpower of the green lantern ring and now he kills people. So there's a Dawnbreaker. <laughs> there is the Drowned, which is basically um a, a version of Batman that takes on the powers of Aquaman after Aquaman he, he takes he takes the powers of Aquaman and then he drowns Gotham City. This actually sounds pretty cool. It's actually awesome. So there's the Drowned, there's Dawnbreaker, there's the Merciless, which in a in a battle with the God of War Ares, he takes the 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 helmet from Ares and becomes the God of War. So Batman becomes the God of War and kills the rest of the Justice League. <laughs> there's the Devastator, which is a version of Batman that is infected with the Doomsday disease and becomes oh, half badass. doomsday half batman so <laughs> he's just a, a hulking monster are these all different titles or are they just like different arcs no these are different so so like death metal speed metal are all different like they're like continuations of the story mm-hmm. but these these people that i'm talking about are just characters in that multiverse oh okay yeah these are actual characters so there's also murder machine which is cyborg and batman together and what happens is batman goes crazy after alfred dies creates an ai system and the ai system to protect batman takes him over and he just becomes a a ruthless cyborg killing machine (laughs) that's awesome yeah (laughs) those sound like the best type of superhero comics where the superhero murders people Yeah, all of them, and, they, and they're just these awful, corrupted versions. But now, the best one is, and the one I feel like you'll appreciate the most, is one called The Batman Who Laughs. Oh, okay. So yeah. he's like a combination of him and the Joker. Yes, he is, and he's the worst one of them. So he keeps all of the Robins on a uh, – he's Jokerized them all and turned them into Joker zombies and keeps them on chains and, like, sticks them on people to murder people. <laughs> But basically the story the story is this like so so Batman finally kills the Joker in his universe. He finally breaks his neck, but when he kills him, the Joker's body releases a neurotoxin that transforms whoever kills him into the next Joker. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he is the Batman who laughs and he's a Batman Joker hybrid and he is terrifying looking. Uh, he looks like something from Hellraiser. And so Anyway, the story is they're trying to take over and all that. It's, it's just a lot of fun. It's just really over the top. Right now in the story, Wonder Woman doesn't have the lasso of truth anymore. She's got a chainsaw of truth because eventually it goes into this <laughs> fucking Mad Max dark universe realm that's totally insane. And so now she has a chainsaw of truth that she cuts people up with. Oh, shit. I like DC again. That's Dude, awesome. It's fucking insane. It's so good. Uh, so anyway, my number four, Dark Knight's Metal. Just that storyline in general. Just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, they should do a movie of that, man. Fuck these origin stories. Like, give us what we want. Yeah, go over the top. Like, take this to a level that nobody's ready for. 
I'm not watching the Snyder Cut. I'm just not, okay? Make something that's going to just blow our faces off. Yeah, I didn't even talk about the Red Death. That was one of the other characters, too. He steals the Flash's power, and he becomes the Red Death. (laughs) These are all very, very awesome and very metal sounding. It, the whole thing is very metal. Who wrote it? Um, I can't remember who wrote it. Is it like head. one guy? Is it like it, it carries off? It carries over from like some of the Snyder. The I think it's Scott Snyder and Capullo. Yeah, yeah. Like those guys that were like did a, a huge a huge arc in in the Batman story. But um, yeah. Right now the main cover that you see is like this really crazy looking uh Superman. Like if you if you pull up Dark Knight's Death Metal, it's Superman, but he looks like the singer of Death Clock. <laughs> Nathan explosion. <laughs> yes. Yep. Like his hair is really long and he's like all wearing like torn up clothes. He looks insane. Uh, Batman's riding like a, a ghost rider type of motorcycle and has like a giant sickle that he carries or scythe. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and Wonder Woman has the chainsaw of truth. It is, it is, it looks like, <laughs> it looks like they went back to the times where heavy metal was around more like the comic, like that, all that art. It looks like that type of art. It looks like it should be airbrushed on a van. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at some of these covers, man. This is wild. Because, see, when I first saw, I, I first heard about that, like, Dark Knight's Metal, I'm like, oh, that sounds lame. But this might actually be kind of cool. It's a lot of fun. It's fun because it's that over the top. It's so ridiculous. Well, speaking of over the top, my number three, I've got another movie. My whole list this week is entertainment. I, I didn't have anything very deep. Just been sort of like ensconced inside on the couch. The other movie I got at my number three is a movie titled Come to Daddy. I don't like that. Yeah, I know. It's very off-putting. I think it's meant to be, though. Is it an, an Apex Twin documentary? <laughs> They actually play the song in the movie towards the end, I believe. (laughs) So they were conscious of it. Uh, But it stars Elijah Wood, who, just like Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal, not a big fan. Never really have been. Don't hate him. I see his face and I'm like, what are you doing? You look like you're 12 still. But, you know, I was was bored the other night. I was looking for some new indie horror. It's like I've seen, I guess Jordan Peele wouldn't be considered indie anymore, but more offbeat you know an Ari Aster and I you know I've watched Mandy a couple of times Killing of a Sacred Deer so there's a lot of these newer movies that have been really critically acclaimed that are kind of flown under the radar that I've watched a bunch of times so I was looking for something new so I pulled up this list 2020 uh, best indie horror and this was like number two on it so I was like all right I'll give it a shot so it's billed as a comedy horror movie which is completely misleading there are absurd parts that you might be able to construe as comedic. Like you might see it happen and go, ha but that's all you're going to get. Okay. I don't want to delve too deeply in the plot because it'll give it away. There are some twists and turns that are, you know, you, you want to experience them. The setup though is Elijah Wood. He plays this insufferable DJ hipster, you know, just, just a complete milky boy. And he shows up on his estranged father's doorstep. He got a letter from him and he hasn't seen his dad since he was like five. He's in his thirties now. And his dad invites him to this extremely isolated cabin on the coast of Oregon. So already you can tell probably which way this is going to go. 
it gets gets a little violent, and, but not in a way that you will expect. Okay. I was, you know, I, I kind of figured it out halfway through the movie, but, you know, I, I believe in suspending my disbelief, so even if it seems kind of obvious, I want to be surprised. You know, I, right. I the thing that the thing that always bummed me out is when you go to the movies with somebody or you'll, you'll watch a movie and they're like, I knew that was going to happen. So like, I knew Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. It's like, how empty is your life? Shut the fuck up. Suspend your disbelief. Right. That's the name. That's the name of the next book I'm writing. Suspend your disbelief. Movie snobs. Fuck off. Anyway, I love it. One of the things that I really like about this movie, and I've seen this in a lot of genre films lately, it's very linear and realistic there are there are things that keep you guessing but it's almost like the things that happen are unexpected and they're sloppy it's in in that way i feel like it's very realistic this is kind of a kind of a, a a crazy story but it takes place in this sort of in this world where there are rules and reality no one's the hero and things get very sloppy I like when movies do that. You know, it doesn't have to be this perfectly crafted arc. And I think that's one of the problems I have with like superhero movies for the most part, because they follow the same trajectory in almost all of them. I would like to be surprised. There's this filmmaker. um, His name's S. Craig Zaylor. And he didn't direct this movie, but this movie reminded me of his movies. He did Bone Tomahawk. He did Dragged Across Concrete. And he did Brawl in Cell Block 99. And I recommend all of them. They're awesome movies. If my recommendation fucking counts for anything, which it probably doesn't. It's very <laughs> it does. realistic. It's very realistic in its violence. And it's unflinching in its, in their, in its violence. And there's some very flawed characters. And it's just that, that, that vibe of being like sloppy. Like, this is probably how this would happen in real life. That looks painful. Right. There's this scene in Dragged Across Concrete that I think sums up the vibe you might get from this movie. It's where Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, they're like crooked cops and they're trying to rob this van and they like crash the van and then they wind up in this awkward standoff and it's like a 30 minute scene where they're just in this parking lot trying to figure out how to not get shot by these guys in this van and rob the van. And it's just, it's very, you you might even, you might even watch it and be like, God damn, is something going to happen? But it's like, it it feels very realistic to me. So I like that. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I'm looking at the picture of Elijah Wood from this movie and I, when you said he's an insufferable hipster, I could see that already because he's got like a shitty haircut and uh, and the worst mustache I've ever seen. Yeah. He he looks like such a dickhead in this movie and I'm not a huge fan of his, you know, uh, like I said, one of the only things I liked him in was when he was on Conan with Bill Burr and Bill Burr was just (laughs) telling him like, you know, what he needed to know about buying a gun. (laughs) So (laughs) Elijah was just sitting there like, okay. And he's like, dude, you want to get like you want to get a shotgun because if you get a shotgun, you get a lot of spread. You know what are you gonna do? Shoot a twenty-two. It's gonna blind you in the darkness. The guy's gonna come. I'll buy your bed and cut your head off. You need a shotgun. <laughs> but a movie like Come to Daddy, I would say Straw Dogs. If you're if anyone's familiar with that, Dustin Hoffman, I think Old Boy, where where you get this like Gumby-bodied nobody protagonist who has to kind of rise to the occasion or die. It's kind of that yeah. type of movie. And this movie contains the most upsetting dick-stabbing scene I have ever seen in my life. So be prepared. <laughs> a dick gets stabbed 17 times with a barbecue fork. It is fucking horrific. That's awful. 
It's still a good movie. It's very, you know, it's very entertaining. It's vengeance, horror. It's, it's you know, it'll, it'll, it, it's worth a watch. So come to daddy. All right. All right. That's a good one. My number three is um, a fun little surprise that I just learned about today and was not prepared for it, but it was, it's sudden th- something that fell onto my lap. So, um, <clears throat> Mikey, how do you feel about the band Hum? Take him or leave him. I don't hate it. All right. All right. That's fine. So, um, if you're not familiar with Hum, they've been a band on and off since 1989. Oh, So, wow. this is crazy. So, I just learned this. So this is the years active. They were a band from 1989 to 2000, then from 2003 to 2003, then from 2005 to 2005, <laughs> then from 2018 to 2013, and then from 2015 to today. So they have taken Jeez. a lot of breaks. Yeah. Now they they're best known for their their radio hit stars. Most everybody knows them from that. But uh, you'd prefer an astronaut is a really great record, a lot of fun. The record that that came from. Uh, the second record they came out with too. Uh, the record titled Downward is Heavenward is also really great. It's a lot of fun. So they put those out in '95 and '98 respectively, and then they broke up. Well, just yesterday they surprised the world with a sudden brand new full length that nobody knew they were even recording, let alone releasing. So, so 22 years after Downward is Heavenward, <laughs> they put Jeez. out, yeah, we have now the hum schedule of, of records. Like we had the Shihalud schedule, which was like every six to eight years. Then we had Suicidal Tendencies, which was a while. <laughs> and now we've got the hum schedule, which is 22 years between records. So <clears throat> anyway, they put out this new record called Inlet and it is fucking perfect. So for you, cause you don't like hum. You won't care because you can take them or leave them. But for fans of Hum, it sounds like just another Hum record, which is exactly what we need right now. We need another loud, big rift record that sounds like we're living in space because we would be rather be there than any other planet right now. And so Hum is the perfect soundtrack to 2020 where we just want to get out of here. We just want to be in space. We want to live on a spaceship. We want to go to the International Space Station and be away from the nonsense that is the world right now. The best part of this, and something that you will like, it's 55 minutes and 31 seconds long. It's only eight songs. One of the songs is nine minutes. God damn. So, anyway, I really, really dig this record. I'm so glad. I've been listening to it nonstop. Um, I've been listening to that and the new Dirty Nil song that came out, which is called Done With Drugs. But I've been really enjoying this. And so if you get a chance, you can find it on Bandcamp. You can find it on Spotify. Um, I would buy it from Bandcamp because you want to support the bands. But if you do listen to it, you can listen to it on Spotify as well. Um, And they do have some really cool double LPs and some packages that are coming out with this record too. But um, it's my number three. It's Hum Inlet. Uh, Go listen to it. Enjoy it. I probably won't. but That's fine. You don't have to. When it comes to like alternative bands that – are obsessed with space. I I kind of I prefer failure. I think failure. I know they don't sound exactly the same, but they are eh, they are fairly riff heavy. They do have that sort of yeah. spacey vibe. I don't know. There was just something about that band that grabbed me. And I remember um, there was a time 
when I was far less critical about what I listened to. We talked about it last week. You know, I, I, I would listen to any old bullshit. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I, uh, I own both the Hums full lengths at one point. I did listen to them, but I have not returned to them in like 17 years. That's okay. I mean, I like I said. I think de- uh, downward in downward is heavenward is the is their best record. Um, I think it's still got the big riffs. It's got some interesting riffs, and it it definitely like is them at their best. Um, this one is really good, though. I would say this one's definitely a close a close second. Um, that and uh, you'd prefer an astronaut. Both of those are really great. Well, you wouldn't prefer to be an astronaut in the movie Life. Let me tell you. <laughs> I would definitely not. I would definitely not like to be an astronaut. Not unless you want a uh, tentacle monster to shove its way down your throat and eat you from the inside out. Yeah. No. I mean, here's something I've learned as an adult. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. Do not want to now. Yeah. Fuck space. I'm not going there. Number two, I've had some unfinished business. Now, I have spoken, nay, I have yelled at great length <laughs> about my love and my my contentious relationship with uh, From Software's masochistic dark fantasy action RPG series, Dark Souls. You know, and that of course includes. Uh-huh. All three Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, and to a lesser extent, I don't give a fuck what the purists say, the same mechanics and a lot of it. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. So, the, you know, they're, they're punishing games, they are, but there is just a sense of accomplishment you get with them. You know, you get this feeling of overcoming a challenge and this elation when you make progress, when the pieces fit together. And then, of course, the frustration and anger that comes with the all-too-frequent defeat. So... Ah, shit i'd say since most of this shit started i mean we haven't technically been quarantined but when it was sort of like try to stay at home and blah blah blah, and then i wasn't having to go into work i was working from home when i got time to play video games i was playing a lot of online shit red dead gta Fortnite. i talked about it all fun I, i i love it i still go back and play it but there's something that those games cannot give me that dark souls does so, recently, I got down to some unfinished business with Dark Souls. Now, I have beat the game before. I finished it. But what I never did was finish the downloadable content. There's a little expansion pack that is widely regarded as, as, as some of the best content in the game. It's called the Artorius of the Abyss DLC. And I never, ever even set foot in it. All right? I never even tried it out. What a wasted opportunity. Yeah, well, the thing that put me off was because, like, you can't get into this until you're in the end game. So you've, you've put in hours, right? But if you're like me and you didn't own the downloadable content at the time and you went and you finished the game, it puts you back at the beginning. So you got to play all the way through again to get to that point where you're leveled correctly to actually complete it and not get, you know, smacked down. So I decided that I was going to start a brand new playthrough of Dark Souls, haven't done it in years, and I was going to complete everything, every challenge the game threw at me, okay? Because I knew what was going to be the bottleneck, all right? There's a boss in the DLC 
who figures into the Dark Souls lore, and he, he's he's one of the coolest characters that the the game creators ever came up with. I'm probably gonna do one day. I'm gonna do a list that has to do with the best Dark Souls lore content, but that's not today. But this guy's called Knight Artorius. He's basically the like the most baddest ass knight in the un- in in their entire universe. He went to fight the abyss. And the abyss overcame him, and now he's just this shrieking, dark, zombie, crazy monster with a giant sword. That sounds awful. No, I know, but he's a great character. And every video I watched, I was like, oh my god, I'll never be able to beat this guy. So finally, on my fifth try, fucking fucking got him. Then you gotta fight this dragon, I got the dragon. And then... There is what is widely regarded as the hardest boss of all in the entire first game, and it's this guy Manus, the father of the abyss, and he's just this giant dark okay. monster who ki- he kills you in two swipes. I don't care how how fucking strong your character is. So somehow, after like eight tries, I managed to fucking get through that, and then I went back and I beat the final boss again. I completed everything that was outstanding in Dark Souls, the original game. And I, okay. I, I felt uh, I felt accomplished. It was nice. It was a nice thing. I I I went Arr! when I finished it. And he's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, I was so jazzed on my victory that I started a new playthrough of Dark Souls Three, which is my personal favorite of the series. But most people think that's bullshit. But it, it's neither here nor there. It's my favorite, besides Bloodborne. But right. the last thing I wanted to share, because I do feel quite accomplished. Um, our buddy Bob, he actually picked up Dark Souls this week and he's been texting me and he's been like asking me all these like tips and stuff. And I've been sending him videos and like, oh, dude, you want to keep your equipment below like 70 percent and just complete nerding out. So I had some quick tips that I wanted to give anybody if they were to pick this game up. OK, so tip number one, do a pure strength build. It's the easiest for new players. Number two, I'm going to post some links in the episode description. In those links, you're going to be shown how to get one of the best weapons early on in the game, the Black Knight Halberd. All right. Now, you may have to restart your game five times to do it, but once you get it, you're gold. Okay. Number three, another link I'm posting is how to beat the Capra Demon boss. Very easy. It's one of the most unfair fights in the game. You will break your controller or bite it in half, whichever comes first. This will help you get through it very easily. Number four, buy poison arrows for the Anerlando archers. This is the worst bottleneck of the entire game, the entire series. You will get sniped off this ledge time and time again. You will scream. You might even cry. But if you get some poison arrows, it's very easy. Number five, and finally... Do not forget to pick up Havel's ring when you fight Havel in the tower in Darkroot, okay? So you need to go in there, you need to cheese the backstab, and when you kill him, you pick up his ring, and it's going to make it so much easier because you can put on heavier armor and not be slowed down. I would also recommend, if you're getting into Dark Souls, go on YouTube, subscribe to Vati Vidya. V-A-A-T-I-V-I-D-Y-A. He's a guy who does playthroughs and lore. He's very knowledgeable. He's very entertaining. His videos are really cool. And go on Spotify and subscribe to the Bonfire Side Chats podcast. 
So you got these two dorks who talk about Dark Souls for hours. And if you really get into this game, you're going to want to listen to it. Trust me. All right. Dark Souls. All right. Unfinished well, business. I'm definitely not going to do that, but but I appreciate the tips. Well, you got a Switch, man. It's on Switch. Is it? The first one is. Hmm. Maybe I will then. Maybe I will. You're going to fucking blow your fucking Switch up with a bazooka. Yeah, because the hardest game I've ever played is Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, well then. So my number two um, is a little easier to consume uh, and actually ties really well into um, some stuff that's been going on lately. So uh, as far as like uh, some personal stuff going on lately. So uh, recently, my daughter asked me if we could sit down and watch a movie together. Okay. This is something that teenagers do not do. This is not something that any teenager does. So I went, yes, whatever you want to. Yeah, we'll watch it. I could have ended up watching like. I don't know, eighth grade or something. I could have ended up watching something that I wasn't prepared for. So I said, what's the movie? What's the movie you want to watch? She's like, have you ever seen this movie, Back to the Future? (laughs) So my number two is the Back to the Future trilogy because we have watched the first two and we're planning on watching the third one, even though I know we don't need to. Third one's good. I like the third one. So – I like the third one too. I'm entertained. I don't think there's anything I like I you know there's that whole thing where people talk about the third movie and the trilogy's always bad. Like the third one is definitely the worst one in that trilogy, but it's not a bad movie. It's fun. It's still yeah. entertaining. Jedi's not a bad movie. That's the third one. That's the best one of that trilogy. Well, yeah. Of that trilogy, Empire. Oh wait. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Uh Empire is. I'm I was thinking Revenge of the Sith. I mean, that's the best one of those, too, yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyway. So, if you're not familiar with Back to the Future, I'm not going to get into all the details, but when was the last time you watched Back to the Future? Oh, shit. It's been a while. I do I do still have my Back to the Future DVD box set that I think I bought from Chris Tharp for five bucks. Yeah. It's worth it, though. Worth it. Oh, so, yeah. <clears throat> I recommend if you have not watched this movie recently, go ahead and stop and watch it. The movie is paced at an insane level i don't remember it being like because i remember there was just always being stuff happening like i remember there was always something happening in the movie but i didn't realize how quickly paced the movie was and how quickly everything happens like it is seriously one of the fastest movies i've ever seen in my life and it's two hours like the first one is two straight hours and it is non-stop i mean think about this you have lines like um when george mcfly says you are my density right (laughs) And then you have, like, you know, you have the punch. You have him falling out of the tree. You have them finding out it's Calvin Klein. You have him blowing up the speaker of the guitar. You have the dance. You have the, the, the manure. You have the skateboard scene. There's so many things that happen in that two hours. It feels like it, you can't breathe the entire time. I forgot how intense that movie was from the beginning. Now thought that was just a pacing problem with the first movie. Watch the second movie, exactly the same thing, except even more stuff happens because they go to the future. They go to the past. There's kids dying. There's a Donald Trump lookalike who is Biff Tanner who runs a, t- uh, a casino <laughs> in Hill Valley. Like, it yeah. is wild. Wild. There's murder. Yeah, I really, I really like the second one. I think the second one might be my favorite one. As a kid, I just loved when they went to the future and the hoverboard, man. I loved it. The hoverboard scene is so great. Now, one thing I did notice about this movie was that um, Griff, 
who is Biff's grandson. Yeah. Awful. Awful, awful. Like, worst character. Like, annoying. Like, like takes you out of the movie because it's Biff, but he's, like, screaming at a higher pitch. Yeah. And he also, anytime he moves, he has robot sounds. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? Like he has I do, a, yeah. He has a robot bat, and every time he moves, he has robot sounds. It's And he had That's that the really future, man. badass. Well, right, right, right. But he also had that really badass hoverboard that was jet-powered. Yeah, yeah. It had, like, chains on it. Didn't he have, like, the other ones were linked had, to it or something? He had tow ropes. They had tow ropes that they could <laughs> hold on like skis. It was – that yeah. movie was wild. That movie was wild. Flea is in it. So, anyway, the plan is to watch the third one. Okay, and we're gonna watch the third one, and, and uh, you know, I'm excited about it because uh, I just I'm excited that Riley really dug it. She really, really appreciated the first one, and I was like, well, of course you do. You like Stranger Things. Where do you think Stranger Things gets their ideas I from mean, the '80s? Rick and Morty. Where did Rick and Morty come from? From Doc that's and Morty. I, that's exactly what I said. I was like, you know, this is like where Rick and Morty comes from. She's like, what? Like it totally blew <laughs> her mind. So, um, so yeah. So my number two is the Back to the Future trilogy. Um, just enjoy it just sit down and watch it because it is just a lot of fun watching michael j fox in his prime um watching christopher lloyd just be an over-the-top character and and really watching crispin glover act weird before everybody knew he was super weird (laughs) and you know if you think about it the second one is kind of the empire of the trilogy because they go back to that like horrible past and it's like it's the darker one I don't know, man. They're all good, though. Well, I haven't watched them in so long. Yeah, I, I like three. Three is fun. I, I did not mind them in the Wild West. I thought it was cool. Well, that's like I had the same feeling because um, I feel like I feel like Back to the Future and Ninja Turtles had the same trajectory. <clears throat> Whereas, yeah. like they like the first story was like very straightforward, and the second story got really outlandish, and then the third story involved time travel. Like, even though the first two Back to the Futures involve time travel. But, like, travel to a place that they definitely shouldn't have been. Um, right. I still had fun with Ninja Turtles 3. Um, but I definitely think that Back to the Future 3 is a better trilogy. Like, a better end of the trilogy than Ninja Turtles 3. So, anyway, it was fun. Yeah, I'm excited about it. But I know it's, like, it's weird when there's a train time machine. <clears throat> yeah. I just remember thinking it was so cool at the end of 2 when the guy shows up with the note that says Doc's living in the Old West. Like that was so yeah. cool. I thought, "Are you, are you Marty McFly?" Like he yells at the guy in the rain. It's like it's fucking crazy. But that's what I'm saying. So that kind of thing happens throughout the entire, like all the movies. Like, like something will happen and it'll leave you on this weird cliffhanger, but it doesn't give you time to breathe before the next thing happens. And you're like, "Oh shit, there's another thing." Like that happens in both of those movies, like nonstop. It is un- unbelievable. It's weird. Yeah. Is it time for number one? Number one! Yeah. For my number one, when I tell you that this is one of, if not the best docuseries I've ever seen, and also that it is the probably the best proof that the paranormal exists, the best proof out there for public consumption anyway, you need uh, to believe me. Now, oh, all right. I've become obsessed with the Amazon Prime series Hellier. Hellier? Have you heard of it? Hellier. H E L L I E R. Have you heard of it? No, I've never heard of it. Okay, I had not heard of it until last week either. 
So okay. for anyone uninitiated, Hellier is a true story. It's a documentary series. It's not fiction. It's not scripted. It does seem pretty fantastical at times, but it is not fictional. So basically okay. you got this series. It's two seasons, 15 total episodes. The first one was short. It's five episodes. I'm in the, I'm into the, like the third one of the second season now. Started as a web series, and then Amazon picked it up. It follows a group of paranormal researchers, which I know people are put off by that. They just think ghost hunters, which is bullshit. That's not real. <laughs> if you get, if you actually listen to these people, and if you actually, you know, give the show a chance, you will see that they're mostly journalists that, you know, research the unknown. Um, and they are dealing with Hellier basically is, is a town in Kentucky and they get pulled into this case of high strangeness back in the late 2010s. So what is high strangeness? High strangeness. It's generally associated with UFOs or paranormal phenomenon, but it's when something exceptionally unusual or a series of exceptionally unusual events take place. Like not just an alien abduction, but like, you know, the alien shows up and they're eating uh, a space pancake, like something that is extremely weird and unusual. Right. Like the Skinwalker so, Ranch is an example of something that you would consider high strangeness, like yeah. shapeshifters and portals and all that bullshit. Yeah. Not your average like, oh, I saw a ghost or, oh, there was a light in the sky. It's got to be. It's something that's fucking weird. And Skinwalker Ranch is a perfect example. And there are places in our world that seem like they're thin and high strangeness occurs there more than other places. Like the Bridgewater Triangle, the Bermuda Triangle, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, or the Appalachians as hellier shows. So I don't want to give anything away. You have to fucking watch it. I'm telling you, it's like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But this story begins and continues to stay rooted in something that you and I experience all the time. Synchronicities. Yes. So these researchers, it's like they're following a trail of synchronicity synchronicities and they are pulled into this story. You see it happen. It's like they keep experiencing these things and they're like little signs that are pointing them like go this way, follow this, keep going because you're on the right track. You're experiencing more and more synchronicities. So it really, it starts with this mysterious email that one of the filmmakers gets. And it's a guy from a guy in Hellier, Kentucky. And he basically says like, there's these little goblin creatures on my property and they're coming out of an abandoned mine shaft and they're scaring the shit out of my family. Well, that's where it starts. Yeah. This one that's email. Wild. It sets off this chain of events and all these insane synchronicities and draws this group to Hellier. And it's uncanny. As you watch, it seems like a force is directing them throughout the investigation. Sometimes it seems like the force is pushing them away from the truth. Other times it seems like it's pulling them in. So one of the most interesting things they delve into in the show, and this is something that I've heard on last podcast before, and it's, it's an idea that I actually... I think it sounds very plausible. So it's the idea that all of these paranormal phenomena, uh, UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, anything like that, the, the, the flat, Flatwoods monster, the fucking Jersey Devil, as outlandish and as disconnected as all those things seem, there is a theory that they are all part of the same thing. That paranormal right. phenomena 
is simply us seeing something from another dimension that we can't access, something we can't explain, that there are um, places, like I said, where reality is thin. And what we may think is a ghost or what we may think is a UFO is all a part of the same thing, just manifestations of extra-dimensional forces. Um, so I will say, what I'll say about Hellier is if you're a fan of the Mothman prophecies, now I've never read the book, I did like the movie, um, and I've read up on the actual story. It ties into this. There, It's not just goblins. It gets so much better right. than that. So you need to watch this series. They get into Injured Cold, which is the supposed man in black who accompanied the Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant, Virginia, back in the 60s. He plays a massive part Ugh. in this. And that's a dude who, like... Nobody really knows what he was, if he was an alien, if he was some sort of being that was like the harbinger, uh, or, or he was chasing the Mothman. No one really knows. It's, it's really strange. Hellier is fucking mind-blowing, and it will make you a believer in the paranormal if you aren't already. The only thing that sucks is that when you click, when you search for it on Amazon, the, the thumbnail they used, it looks, it looks fucking awful. It, I almost clicked past it because I saw, I was like, what the fuck? That looks like some budget bullshit. Right. But right. I'm telling you, you got to click it. You got to fucking watch it. It's on Prime. You got to be a Prime member or you got to buy it. But um, it's worth it. It's, it's one of the craziest things I've ever watched. I stopped watching Hunting Hitler to watch this. And Hunting Hitler was blowing <laughs> my mind because it's like, yeah, yeah. like the, the rat lines. It could have happened. He could have gotten out of the bunker. But, like, this blew my mind even more. So, Hellier, people, watch it. That's awesome. I love I love shit like that. Like, um, <clears throat> I realized a few years ago when we were when, – when I was in Axis, I was talking to Josh a lot about cryptozoology. Yeah. And uh, just, like, the idea of, like, the Chupacabra existing or, like, the Jersey Devil and stuff. Like, all that stuff is very interesting to me. It's, like – because it's all still unexplained. But then when I started really listening to, like, paranormal shit, um, man, I'm sold. I am, like, fully in on it. One of the best things I've ever heard about it is, like, if I saw a ghost, if I ever saw a ghost, I would spend the rest of my life fucking figuring out what that was. And, um, you know, I think everybody's probably had some level of experience with, like, some kind of strangeness that they can't explain. Um, like, I swear, I swear that I've seen uh, this crazy – I remember when I was a kid, we were we were at a friend's house and saw this, like, streak of light shoot across the sky at night. And then it stopped and shot off at a right angle. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck yeah. is that? Like, yeah. that wasn't a firefly. So – you know, I just I think everybody's had like a story like that or experience like that, so I'm I'm definitely gonna check that out because I, I love shit like that. Yeah, there's too many there's too many things out there that can't be explained and it doesn't have to be like the ghost of somebody who's dead or, or an alien from Mars. Like I think it's far more plausible that there are just layers of reality that we can't access or see and sometimes stuff bleeds through. I mean, I saw a fucking cat with a human face. I saw it. I saw a fucking shapeshifter yeah. once. I, yeah. sw- I I fucking believe that 100%. Yeah. And I- P- Pat, who we mentioned at the top of the episode, he fucking saw it too. Synchronicity. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of high strangeness, I'm going to get to my number one. <clears throat> I'm going to read this blurb about this business, and I just want your honest opinion about it. Okay? Okay. This is from their website. 
Welcome to our home, where the grass is not just greener, it's better. People, Some people walk in knowing what they're looking for. A tincture to ease the pain, or perhaps a flower to make the day brighter. There, Then there are those who walk in curious, ready to start their journey with this ancient plant. Whenever you, Whatever your reason is, we're happy you're here, honored to be your guides, and we're here to figure out what works for you with you. After all, cannabis is not one size fits all. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like very calming and it's in like in that description of this place? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It goes on. We're obsessed with growing the best strains, meticulous about using only house grown lab tested plants, ensuring that what you get from us is just as honest as Mother Nature herself. So ask us anything. There's no such thing as a bad question. Only people passing knowledge from, from under one roof. Yes, we do pass it from the left hand side. <laughs> Fucking hippies. God. Make yourself at dude. Make yourself at home. Let's talk about cannabis. Let's and let our confidence become yours. So my number one. Recently, I got my medical marijuana card, <laughs> and I got to fill my prescription. And I got to go to a local business called Cura Leaf. So my number one is Cura Leaf. Hmm. Uh, Mikey, Michael, have you ever been to a dispensary? I have not. I've never okay. been into a dispensary. So I've had multiple experiences with this. They're all very different. So my experience in Seattle was that it looked like a vape shop and you walked in and it had the, or like a, like a, like a shitty pawn shop, even like, yeah, a bunch <laughs> of stuff hung up on the walls. It had a bunch of glass cases and everybody looked like they competed in national vape competitions. Um, <laughs> but the experience wasn't bad. Like they were, they were, they were the bud tenders. And they were they were super nice. Now, um, those places looked like they looked like um, like they they would be connected to like a barcade where there's like a dive bar that's got a bunch of old '80s video games and stuff. That's what that place kind of looked like. So yeah. this place though, Cure Leaf, looked straight up, straight up like some room like a, like one of the white rooms from The Matrix. Like you walk in and everything is white. With like these dashes of like this lime green and this neon green on the walls, and 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 there's just these modular counters, and it's very strange. It felt very clinical. I've never been, I've never had an experience like that. Even like a, it, like it's what pharmacy should be. Like, okay. Like you walk in and they should be welcoming welcoming you in and going like, yes, let's talk about your medication. Da da da. Like they should be very calming and very soothing, not like the hectic piece. It's like where are the pills? So. <laughs> So, but you walk in, you walk in this place, you have to check in and, and they have a security guard there and that's all fine. But like you walk up and they're like, Hey, what can I do for you? Here's a menu. And they hand you a menu and it's like all the things you can buy. And it's always the stuff that's got the funny names because you know, like weed growers just have fun with it. Like, so I was able to get this, fill my prescription with like a vape pen. That's like a small, like little, like e like an e-cigarette thing that mm. is, uh, was called Blackberry Kush. <laughs> so I had to order and I was like. Can I, yeah, can I get two of the Blackberry Kush and can I get some of the oral tablets, which are just like mints? And so um, I had, like, when I ordered, I was like, these are the things I have to order. And it was just a very bizarre experience for even me, who's been to a dispensary in a couple different places. But being in a dispensary in town that looked like a Matrix clinic was just a very odd experience. But, totally worth it because since I filled my prescription, my anxiety has been so low and I've been, I've been feeling so good. I'm not stoned all the time, but I definitely have like 
everything is more mellow now and it's pretty good so i feel i like this hippie this hippie feeling this cannabis with confidence place i don't understand how it's not just 100 percent legal everywhere it's so ridiculous it's like it grows in the ground but you're not allowed to have it you're out of your, these people are out of their fucking minds i mean i'm yeah i'm it's trying to i'm trying to get into cbd um since i'm allowed to have that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like you know the like the cbd melatonin and then they have the cbd like wake up uh tablets that it's kind of it's like it's it's smoother than caffeine you don't jolt you know and just right like, you know because for years for years i thought i needed to go to a psychiatrist and like be on anti-anxiety medication and i've i've managed to level out completely on my own just kind of told myself to stop being a fucking idiot but you know I, I feel like marijuana would help so many people with so many things and i just it's it's not legal because the government can't get a fucking piece of it you know it's just like they'll make right. cigarettes and alcohol legal and it's just awful for you but well and and the thing is people just think that it's like you hear a lot of people that are like it's a gateway drug it's a gateway drug it's like Get the I've, fuck out of here. I've, I've, I mean, if I, if that were the case, then then I know plenty of people that would be meth heads by now. Yeah, it's like, please, like, like the people that I know that have smoked it as like career, like career potheads are like doing really cool tie dye and following the Grateful Dead, and they're like the greatest people in the world. Like they're so wonderful. Maybe that's true if it's stigmatized, you know. But like maybe if it was just accepted it wouldn't be true or, or or wouldn't be true in some cases right it's just ridiculous it's harmless people are dumb. for people it's harmless yeah. harmless so you can anyway. go you can go fucking shotgun a beer and get in a car you know right it's like that that bill hicks uh thing where he's like he's like you ever anybody on weed you ever you ever seen them beat up their fucking family you know <laughs> if you're if you're right. high and you're driving you're probably doing five miles an hour <laughs> like it's just <laughs> it's it's true so anyway my number one cure leaf um yeah man <laughs> yeah man <laughs> yeah man. Yeah, man. all right is it uh, time to do a countdown Let's do the countdown. At number five, life. Why is it always tentacles? Number four, streamline hotel. Don't worry, they mopped up all the jizz and there's a great view. Number three, come to daddy. Dick stabbing, blood gushing, finger breaking mayhem. Number two, dark souls. Beg of thee, the spread of the abyss must be stopped. Number one, Hellier. Goblins are just the tip of this mindfuck iceberg. Watch it, or I, I might personally assault you. All right, all right. It's a good list, man. All right. <clears throat> My number five, Sad Trump. Nickelback in the Wiggles. <laughs> number four, Dark Knight's Metal. Speed Metal, Death Metal. Meow, 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 meow. Number two, or number three, hum, inlet. Get your overdrive pedal from the space station. Number two, Back to the Future trilogy. Why don't they know who Calvin Klein is when he gets older? <laughs> and number one, my medical marijuana card and cure leaf. Purple sticky punch. 
Dude, if you if you become like Spicoli though, that's gonna be hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. You know, it's funny. It's like I I I I cannot imagine that I would get that to that level. Like I'm I'm just. <laughs> that's my skull. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, man. That's a good list. So yeah, I like it. I like it. All right. So is it time? It's time for the for the Patronuses. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Patriot. The page. The Patriots. We start calling Patriots. Yeah. All right. So, shout out to Michael Osborne, Sam Parnum, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, and Mario Cipriano. Thank you all. So awesome. I hope you all are enjoying the zines. Some folks said they got them. And they threw them away. No, somebody, uh, so Kate texted me and said that, um, they lost their minds at the Holy Trinity, uh, image that you put in the zine. <laughs> so, um, oh. it's working. It's working. Very good. All right. I don't think we have, do you have any announcements? We don't have any announcements, right? I have no announcements other than the fact that I am tired. I'm tired too. So, if you want to talk to us, find us on Instagram at I Don't Want to Hear It Podcast. Find us on Twitter at IDWHI Podcast. Find us on Facebook at I Don't Want to Hear It Podcast. Find us on email um, at oldpunksvstheworld at gmail.com. Um, also, we are currently looking at another publishing space for our books. Uh, we run into a little bit of an issue with the place that we are currently printing from. So uh, if you are ordering books, you can still order one of them, but not the other. Uh, we're going to try to have some kind of solution for everybody uh, by the time you all hear this. So we will probably have some kind of workable solution at this point in time. So, um, But if you want to order books uh, and order bookmarks, uh, things like that, you can go to wndpress.com or email us at wndpress at gmail.com. Right now, we do have um, a, a couple bookmarks that are up that are available. One is a bookmark that says, do no good, or I'm sorry, do no good, do harm, which is the opposite, actually. Do good, do no harm, take no shit, and all the money is going to get donated to um, some protest bail funds. Um, and then the other bookmark we have it has a, a really cool Kafka quote on it. Uh, my daughter designed that one, um, and we're going to throw a couple bucks her way uh, for making the design. So um, you can support her and her art projects with that too, which would be cool. And uh, head over to our website, I don't want to hear podcast.com. Click the link. It came from the beach to listen to all our old bands. And uh, the zines are available for purchase, correct? Yes, you can buy the zines. Um, they, up, they are up on the website at WNDpress.com. Um, so you all can right. find those there. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. So we will be back next week with another episode. So until then. Annihilate this week. And good night. Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are. Could you imagine Taco Gel, Taco Gel Bo? <laughs> Taco Gel Bo. <laughs> that's that's the uh, DC Metal Dark Multiverse version of Taco Bell Joe. Yeah, he's very mischievous. He works at he works at Wendy's. <laughs> but he's still Taco Gel Bo. <laughs> Taco Gel Bo. <laughs> yeah, let me get you that Junior Bacon <laughs> Cheese for you. <laughs> you piece of shit. I hope you choke on it. That's the worst fucking order, buddy. <laughs> Shove your order up your ass, pal. It's like, damn. Taco Shell Joe. Taco, Taco. Sh- <laughs>
<laughs> All right, we gotta fucking All right. end this. Bye now. Bye. <laughs>